for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. My name is Reginald Dirkmeyer, and yes, I did have a troublesome family, and I did think of yeah. annihilating them, but I tell you what, I went out of my backyard one day, and I said, instead of annihilating my family, why not I annihilate some of the overcharges people face with aluminum siding? Okay, so welcome well, to is- Reginald Dirkmeyer's <laughs> aluminum siding uh, catastrophe, that's what my store is called, yeah. come on here. I won't kill my wife, I won't kill my precious wow. daughters, they've left the home, it's too late for me to kill them, but instead, I'll have nine Miller lights, and I will move some aluminum siding. Well, everybody here <laughs> at Family Annihilators Anonymous, let's give Reginald a round of applause. Bam, bam, bam. No, Reginald, no, no, that's bam, not part of the treatment, Reginald. I'm oh, sorry, I was on a hair trigger. Oh, my goodness. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben, hanging out with Henry yep. and hanging out with Marcus. Family. Hi, Hi Marcus. Hi. <laughs> I am good. How are you? Good so scary. You. Are you about to annihilate all of your problems? <laughs> yeah, that, that high was very much like you have a severed head in your trunk and maybe a gun in your pocket. Are Hi, you all- boys. <laughs> Everything oh. is good, right, Marcus? When Marcus becomes an old-timey peanut salesman, that's how I know Carolina is dead. Yeah. Hi there. How are you? You know, the thing about peanuts is they give you protein and you can also throw them at a corpse. What was that? Get the net. Get the net. Well, nuts speaking and nuts. <laughs> nuts for nuts. Oh, I do love nuts for nuts. Mm. All right. Well, speaking of nuts, let's talk about... Man, I'm so good at these freaking segments. You are a professional broadcaster. Wow. Ben Kissel. <laughs> just incredible. All right. Let's talk John List Part two and the final chapter. So after John List decided that the only way out of his financial, moral, and religious quagmires was the complete annihilation of his wife, mother, and three children, he began taking steps to make his plan a reality. This is a reminder to anybody who thinks they have a lofty dream. Uh If you take that dream and you break it up into practical steps, you too can make your dream. A reality. Absolutely. Nobody sees the steps that go to you on top of the mountain, but they will see you on top of that mountain. And in this case, the mountain is your entire family covered in blood. Because honestly, a lot of times <laughs> when you're going up, especially a very big mountain, the corpses that litter their way are how you find your way to the top. You so know. in a way, the corpses that you create sort of kind of like the little booster engines for the shuttle that is you towards the pinnacle of your existence. How phenomenal would that be, though? You're climbing Mount Everest, you freeze to death, and you 
become the greatest. You become the greatest step in helping others. Wow, that's I'd actually a great way to die. I'd rather live. <laughs> you don't want to yeah. be a human frozen step. No, no, no. no. I, I want to be a podcaster. Okay. I want to sit in a chair. I want to be on a set somewhere with a cashmere sweater on. All right. Now, even though John already owned two handguns, a nine millimeter and a twenty-two pistol, he went to the Westfield Police Department about a month before the murders to fill out a handgun permit application, which required him to leave a copy of his fingerprints. Yep, yep. Okay. Just wanted to visit and let the police know my plans. And honestly, they were incredibly encouraging. That's very nice. Um, very much so said, too many families in this neighborhood. And I was Weird. like, you boys are just simply full of it today. That is strange. Hear me out. He has two handguns. Guns for your feet. <laughs> so what you have is a trigger that's a little bit larger. Uh-huh. They get guns for your feet. Uh-huh. And they can just go, Henry, get back here. Henry is standing up. He's going to the refrigerator. Henry, you need to hear this billion-dollar idea. Guns for your feet. So now you have four guns, and that's all you need. Henry, get back here. Four guns. That's all you need. You're shooting with your big toe, and you're shooting uh-huh. with your trigger finger. You right. can kill a family. Not doing the show anymore. Ten seconds. You can kill a family in ten seconds. Set it and forget it. Use a bomb. Guns for your feet. What's really strange about this, however, is that John List had absolutely no reason to register his handguns, and he never even picked up the permit. Now, it could be that this was a part of John's plan that was abandoned for some reason, but it seems like the only purpose it served was to give the police definitive fingerprints for later use. Let me make sure I get my whole thumb on this. (laughs) I think I only gave you a partial. I want to make sure, you know, let me just... Do you guys need any signature examples? <laughs> Here's me with glasses on. Here's me with a wig on. Here's me dressed as a sexy lady. Here's me dressed as a fireman. Uh, can you go back to you dressed as a sexy lady, please? Absolutely. God, I know it's so hard to be a father. I just want to be the mother. Oh, that's a great wig. No, about two weeks before the murders, John List, perhaps as a final gift to his daughter, uncharacteristically gave Patty permission to have a Halloween party in one of the List family mansion's ballrooms for all of her drama club friends. This is where I want when you talk about the banality of him becoming interesting, right? And the idea that he's so flat and so nothing, he's so shallow that it becomes compelling. This is one of those that actually, to me, speaks to another side of John List that he is trying to... It's the covert narcissist part of him that is very much being like, oh, you want a Halloween party? (laughs) I'll throw you a Halloween party. Where he's now going to set this stage where it's not just... I don't think it's a gift to Patty. I think he's allowing them one more way for them to transgress on what Mm. is probably his least favorite holiday. This is trick-or-treat Johnny. Well, do we remember Trick or Treat Johnny? Of course I know Trick or Treat Johnny. I think Halloween is a fucking choke point for John List, where he sat every day being like, and then the jack-o'-lanterns, they will come. But the best part about a jack-o'-lantern is how it melts, slowly (laughs) but surely. Like, he is just, he fills it with Halloween decorations, sitting on it being like, Oh, you're dressed as a with some kind of Robin Hood? That's funny to say. <laughs> I'm dressed of as thieves. I'm dressed as a responsible father. <laughs> well, you're dressed like you dress every day. No, I put a different pair of underwear on. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> well, I think it could be that, but I think it could also be him uh, justifying it one more time because he sure. sees this as uh, he sees the murders as him being a good father. Right. He sees it as uh, he's taking care of his family and ensuring that they go to heaven and in giving her this Halloween party. It's like, look at how good of a father I am. I'm well, giving my daughter one last thing before I send her to heaven. That's it's kind what of, I was saying. That's what I was thinking. Rather, does this make him a missionary killer? There is this because is, where is the, he trying to do it so they can go on to heaven. This is where the family annihilators all over the plot where it's like the people keep trying to say that it's either like, you know, the coercive heart or the livid heart. Like the idea of, you know, how many types of family annihilators there are. We got short ones, we got tall ones, we got fat ones, we got thin ones. Come on down to Family Annihilators DVD store. Uh, Yeah, it's mostly videos of men killing their families. He hits all the marks. Like, he he really does. He is a, he's a, because he is self-righteous, because another breakdown, there's four types of family murderers, according to Psych Central that I was looking at. There was in the breakdown, which is self-righteous, disappointed, anomic, which I talked about last time, Mm. which is the economic killer, where he says he's killing them to save them economically. And then paranoid. But he has touches of all of them because he's self-righteous with the religious part of it. And the idea that he is um, he is truly a a missionary killer. He's disappointed because he saw Patty's nipples. Oh, he um, he's now and then he's getting paranoid. Like now it's also the other thing where he's starting to feel the pressure, the, the constant building pressure of what it's like to be a buttoned up real father in America in 1970s. Well, there is only one option left. You gotta kill your family. Gotta kill them. You gotta kill your whole family. Okay. Now, while the drama kids had fun in the ballroom here at this Halloween party, John stood on the upstairs landing and glared down, waiting for an opening to lord his morality over the kids, whom he considered Luciferians in training. He considered all he considered all actors to be Satanists. Hey, man, he invited them. He invited them to his house to chastise them for doing. Doing <laughs> what they you were supposed the, to do it's a Halloween party. I invited you, but then you took the opportunity to accept this yes. obviously sarcastic I didn't. invitation. <laughs> if it's this uh, was sarcastic, next time, this was a trial and a test to see if you could hold the line and be okay, oh, Mr. tempted by bobbing apples, tempted by the girls dressed as sexy. First of all, there is no bobbing apples, <laughs> and I was promised bobbing apples. Also, if it's sarcastic, Mr. List, write the entire thing in italics. <laughs> then I'll understand it's sarcastic. Because you didn't even communicate oh, via the written word. What are you doing? Give me a sword, Lord. Let me cut them down one by one, Lord. This is technically the scariest Halloween I've ever had. Well, finally, John had the opportunity to ruin everything when he saw a boy either drinking, smoking, or making out with a girl, depending on the report. He was doing one of these three things. What we do know is that John rushed down to the ballroom and tried kicking the boy, but instead missed and fell down, which, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which of course, echoed his father's failure so many Halloweens past. You just sit him there because it's like the it. same thing. He just fucking made the fucking, he tried to kick him in the butt. He missed. He falls down. The party laughs. Of he course. starts to hear the same laughter of the trick or treat Johnny. <laughs> trick or treat Johnny. You go for the king. You best not miss. Someone has to hold the line. <laughs> Well, following the humiliating Halloween party, he John- invited people there. <laughs> he did this. He thought it would be different, but then it wasn't. Uh, no. After that, John moved into the next phase of his plan, which involved informing the victims in a calm and orderly fashion. 
in a rare move in the world of family annihilators. It is honestly jo- almost not just rare. I think this is the only time I've heard this happen in any one of the other family annihilator cases I've researched. In that this is the story. definition of rare. Yeah. John List actually sat his three kids down at the kitchen table and explicitly told his children that they were all going to die at his hand very soon. You know, what? and it's one of those funny bits where it starts being being like, first of all, kids, I hope you're enjoying lasagna. Yeah, it's great um, lasagna. This is it's a little what, too what? ethnic for me. It's, it's but it's I'm glad that we have it here. <laughs> really? um, but just want to know, um, looking at all you kids, and I just can't help but kind of giggle. I think it about what's how, in this lasagna. Oh, it's Joe. That is just pasta sauce. <laughs> I got some pork. I got some sausage in there. I got some bay leaves. Well, I got you a whole hate thing. It, but like, you know what? You, you, you I made hate it. it. I hate yeah, it. You did such a good job making what it. What the Italians made me do in World War II. Yeah. <laughs> but I just can't wait. I just giggle just thinking about how empty those chairs are going to be. <laughs> huh. A lot of room. I'm excited for all the room I'm going to have to just really, really stretch out. It's kind of ominous and strange that our dad would say that, but I guess we'll just well, enjoy this great lasagna. He's just starting to get kind of manic. Like, he's starting yeah. to get powered up. Yeah. Wow. And the reason he gave for telling them was that he needed to know their final wishes. He needed what? to know burial or cremation. Which one do you want? Yeah. Alive. Could I have the alive? Is there a third option called don't be dead? Honestly, I was looking at the survey because I wondered if there was another option. In a survey, usually is more than two options. That's kind of a binary choice. This is a two option survey. Okay. (laughs) And you're just going to have to choose one of these and be happy with it because the other one's kind of like, you know how like, oh, I wish it wouldn't rain tomorrow. I have to go. I have to go. I want to go running. Yeah. yeah, Then it rains anyway. That's what I'm going to (laughs) do. You're going to rain on us. Okay. Well, shocked and terrified, the kids one by one said they'd want to be buried. Buried? Don't <laughs> say that. Also, very interesting. I think most kids don't say buried anymore, do they? I mean, what do you think, Marcus? How do you want to go? We're all going to die. What do you think, I Marcus? I mean, I, I would have said buried at 16, and I'm saying buried now. Okay, you're a ground guy, Henry? Uh, I, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to have my brain uploaded into a computer. The goal is to save my body, and we're going to freeze me until that's possible. All right, thrown in the trash. And <laughs> me, I'm going to go with just a nice old cremation. Okay, perfect. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're all three Actually, flavors. I, I mean, if I had my druthers, I'd go for a mausoleum. But you Man, know, but. Yeah, we got to get you a tomb. Yeah, a tomb. That's what I want. I want to be tomb. cool with yeah. with the fact that we're saving so much money on Trash Boy's funeral because we're going to throw him away. <laughs> we can actually double up and get you a mausoleum. Hell I'm yeah. going to find those viable scientists from Harvard and get some help. Okay. <laughs> well, once each kid gave their preference, John silently left the room okay. and locked himself in the sanctuary of his office and just kind of left the kids to deal with it. Okay. Well, father has some work to do then, doesn't he? <laughs> Enjoy the lasagna. <laughs> Now, the wow. list children didn't keep this little conversation to themselves. During Patty's next drama lesson with Ed Iliano, she very explicitly told him, Mr. Iliano, my father is going to kill me. Tell me, Patty. I, you know how many times I've met an actress who said their father is going to kill them, but they never do. They <laughs> never do. It's all of these promises and no delivery. Okay. Now, back to act one. <laughs> Mr. Iliano was like, that was horrible acting. And she's like, I'm telling you the truth he's like no i don't believe it dazzle me next time <laughs> but according to the movie oh no the, the acting teacher in the movie uh with the, the robert blake movie looks a lot like me which mm-hmm. is very strange but you know how you tell he's an a, a drama teacher big <laughs> scarf 
Oh, <laughs> yes, indeed. Because that scarf, as we learned from the late, great Robin Williams, now it's a babushka. Now it's a babushka. Oh, it's a babushka. Now it's a belt. Now it's a hangman's noose. Oh, God, I forgot. That wasn't even a suicide. <laughs> we could do a suicide joke. Oh, my God. I just improved into suicide. Well, when Ed told her she was exaggerating, she got angry and said, we know he is going to kill us because he explicitly told us he was going to kill us. Do you know how many reviewers said the same thing about me? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, people should have taken this much more seriously, obviously, just given the character of Mr. List, right? Because the guy isn't a joker. Well, she she was the he was the only one that was told, and she recounted the whole conversation in the kitchen. Said he sat us down, said he was going to kill us, asked us if we wanted to be buried or cremated, and all. But all Ed do all Ed did was go, and just wondered out loud Yikes. what the time was. What, Actors what are time so, is it? So useless. An actor is useless, but at least they're employed. An acting teacher is beyond useless. Well, that's the thing. Most actors are completely useless, uh, i.e. the Imagine video that came out earlier this year and did nothing, no help. But then the the other, the thing is that Tom Cruise in Scientology shows what happens when you make actors active and proactive (laughs) and want to save, they end up fucking whole fish in the grocery stores for some reason, but... Tom Cruise Evidently. also will be the only actor in L.A. To, which it's, he's had he's done this several times. We he'll pull over if a car is like stuck on the side of the road, and he'll help you. But it's just to propagate Scientology. I bet you know what? <laughs> At the end of the day, if he fixes my tire, I don't care the motivation. Same thing with Bruce Springsteen. He'll help you, but he'll just do it out of the kindness of his heart and to maybe get a good song out of it. Oh yeah, yeah. use yeah. me. Excuse me, Bruce. <laughs> Absolutely. That's when I saw Big Fat Man Broken Down. And that was my motivation for this song called Fat Man Broken Down. I'm out of ideas. I'm 75 years old. Now, one might forgive Ed Iliano for not saying anything to anyone prior to the murders if it had just been Patty talking to him about all this stuff. But when Ed drove Patty home one night, John List Jr., the 15-year-old middle child, also gave Ed a warning. John Jr. walked up to Ed, grabbed his arm, and urgently told him to come by whenever he was in the neighborhood, saying, please understand, you are welcome here at any time. It is the equivalent of the call the police. (laughs) Call the police. So it seems like there's multiple people at this point that could have put on their investigator he's cap the only one or ed, is the on, ed is the only one who's been only, told any of the only trusted only the acting a, teacher he only has an investigation outfit from when they did sherlock holmes in the fall production <laughs> <laughs> well ed later said that john jr's voice was full of quote quiet hysteria hmm. and when ed got back in the car he saw john list in the window staring daggers oh and yet, Ed Iliano didn't say anything to anyone about what was, at the very least, an abusive household, and at worst, a murderous one. But there is the big reason why Ed Iliano probably didn't say anything. Yeah. It's because Ed Iliano was in a bit of a compromising position with Patty List. What it seems to might... Wait, what was going on? She was banging the, the, uh, nah, the theater banging. teacher? I don't know if they were banging, but it seemed like... I don't think like, they were banging. Were they just watching like White Christmas together and just enjoying the sounds of people singing? I honestly <laughs> think it started as one of those Mr. Holland's opus... I'm an old man, kind of obsessed with my nude lead at my new lead actress, right? No, I, I am the right, new lead actress. Lead actress. Yeah. And they uh, 
They kind of had this. I thought balance. Mr. Holland's opus was about a uh, band teacher whose son is deaf. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, forget- beautiful Cole. Yeah, you that remember. part. But then he also has. He's like kind of into that high schooler. He's like obsessed. He's like kind of sexually obsessed with the high schooler. I refuse to acknowledge that sex exists when I look at Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> I just. I don't. There's no sex there. There's a couple of lucky ladies out there that love a Richard Dreyfus. I Liz Warren. I put an Elizabeth Warren up there as someone who would be sexually ravaged by Richard Dreyfus if she got a shot. I will take uh, Jaws, Richard Dreyfus. I think there's some sex appeal there with the whole savior thing. But she had like a. They had like this kind of like flirty. She became really emotionally effusive with him. They became really really close. But I think that when what happened was which i think happens very often he was maybe sexually interested in patty and they were kind of having the side thing doing extra rehearsals and shit but then she's like my dad said like literally like said out loud that he's gonna kill us all systematically and he was like oh this is getting serious (laughs) (laughs) more than i bargained for here all right so not not really not that it was his responsibility but not a hero. No, no, yes, no he, wasn't, a hero. he wasn't ready to fully <laughs> commit. be a hero, but no. he could have been theoretical. Yeah, and we're, we're going to further prove that, that he had the choice and said oh, no. He's like, uh, Ooh, that <laughs> is just, there's just a lot to unpack here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the second act is just not going to direct itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have to choreograph the beer hall push scene for Hitler the musical, which I've right. written myself. I love that. But he well, should know. They sh- he's like, Mr. List is basically showing the gun, so he should know the rule of theater is if you show the gun by act three you're gonna use it yeah Maybe he didn't get there in the history theater book uh, <laughs> that explains a lot well monday november 8th the night before the murders patty called ed iliano again begging him to come over as soon as he could for reasons that she wasn't clear about and reasons that we don't know today but ed was tired and he was kind of annoyed with the whole thing and he was also a little uncomfortable with the idea yeah well i mean I mean, he doesn't know because she was like, because it's this call, right? You get this call that's a little bit like, Mr. Iliano, I need you. I need you. I got to, I got to have you here. (laughs) And then on one side, he's just like, I mean, like, God damn it, she does need me. I can't, I can't believe I was pretending to be gay for all these drama credits for so long. But then all of a sudden, but at the same time, but she doesn't, he doesn't know that it's because John List is blasting classical music in the house, openly cleaning his gun, being like, Three days. Three days. Look at <laughs> Three that. Three days. He's just trying to rewrite Taming of the Shrew to correct all the mistakes that were made with the original document. Now, obviously, John had said something that night because he later admitted that November 8th, 1971 was the night that he decided for sure that his plan was just, righteous, and inevitable. So According what did his- he do? He just stared in the mirror and was just like, check. That's Jack. it. <laughs> he just, that, that, my plan checks out. He mm-hmm. had, uh, in my mind, he wanted to do this for like, for years. This yeah. is a, this Ugh. is a build. Big build. Right. Yeah. Well, according to a later confession, during that last night in the house with his family, he slept extraordinarily well. <sighs> wow. Now, even though John List made the final decision the night before, the day in question had been in planning for weeks. In fact, John's original plan, and this maybe speaks to how much he hates Halloween, his original plan was to do it on November 1st, All Saints Day, because he figured that was a particularly good day to send everyone to heaven. He had one of of those like magical realist thoughts where he's like, the earth is closer to heaven. 
on November 1st and so that they will get to heaven faster. I only take my astronomy <laughs> lessons from people who failed at accounting. <laughs> but the Halloween party apparently got in the way. So John moved the date and actually circled the date November 9th on his calendar. Now, really, the preparation for the murders really wasn't so much about the murders themselves, but were rather more about John's escape, because the murder plan was actually quite simple. John planned to kill each member of the family one by one in a quick and orderly fashion over the course of the day, then stack the bodies in the ballroom where the Halloween party had been held just days before. After all that was done, John List would simply disappear. He had a plan. A man. A plan. A canal, Panama, <laughs> Panama. <laughs> um, I don't know if disappearing is a plan. Um, oh, because he didn't, like, how he didn't do you, think do you he was going to like disappear like, like a fucking uh, like a leprechaun or something? Like he uh, had yeah, a plan in order. <laughs> yeah, he wishes that he could be. You know how Batman always disappears when you turn around, and you look back, yeah, Batman's gone. Like, Where is he? The problem is, yeah, every time you turn around, and you look back. You just continue to see John List, and he's like, yeah. just trying to get my keys. That's really honestly, I can't find him. I wouldn't get him. I wouldn't lose my head if it wasn't fucking attached to me. Indeed. Just like your family did, I guess. On service of the escape, John canceled newspaper delivery a few days prior. This is what a cheap bastard! Yeah, yeah. It's no, no, no. It's, he reasoned that a lot. At first, I thought it was that same thing that he was being cheap and kind of fastidious. But he was reasoning that a large pile of newspapers on the front door was going to raise suspicions from the neighbors. Yeah, so it's even more nefarious. Okay, All right. yeah, it's it's so much more nefarious. <laughs> it's strangely better than being cheap. I guess. He's like, well, at least it was part of the plan. <laughs> However, on the morning of the murders, John heard the familiar thud of the paper hitting his front door. And while he was annoyed, the first of many annoyances that day. <laughs> you, oh. can't, you can't believe how I mean that today. <laughs> he made a note. Believe. <laughs> so poor guy. How aggravating <laughs> to kill your whole family and the paper is showing up. And yep. my goodness. But he made it. He did make a note to call the paper again uh, before killing his family. I could just see him. It's like the the video game Paperboy, but that Paperboy doesn't understand that there's a man within the house, like looking at you with a gun, like like maybe he's one. Maybe he's one. Should I let him go? Ah, Johnny, let this one go for old time's sake. If Paperboy met Friday the Thirteenth, both of those like two bit uh, video games, Mm -hmm. that's a perfect collab right there. Hmm. It's interesting. It would be cool. Yeah. I did not want to sidetrack it that much. But, I mean, death <laughs> does actually show up in Paperboy. That death what? crosses the street. Yeah, there's oh, death yes, in Paperboy. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, death happens yeah, death. to all children. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, they become adults. Not to all Then adults. they become Joe Biden, and then they become a ghost. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Nevertheless, John still went outside, grabbed the paper, and began reading, because he still had time to kill before the murders. I mean, you know, he came. Like, what is he going to do? He's going to stress? Killing time, killing my family. I themed the day. You get it. (laughs) However, John found that the stories and ads featured in that day's paper further solidified his belief that he was doing the right thing. There was a story about a vote mandating prayer in schools being stopped in the House of Representatives. (gasps) Unbelievable. Wow. That, which, by the way, only lost by 28 votes. It was close. It was close. <laughs> it's not. And again, that's the vote to mandate, mandate. prayers in school. Yeah. So yes. it's not like you could still theoretically just pray, but you don't have to be forcing other people to do it. 28 but they really votes. wanted to force people 
to yeah. pray because you're you're only going to get people to believe in Jesus if you force them to yep. believe in him. Look at John Lennon. He's great. Oh, nailed it. <laughs> There's also an ad for Bugliosi's Helter Skelter featuring Manson's smiling face. The thing I don't like about him is his beard. <laughs> no real man has a beard. What are you talking about? That's one of the things that we have. We can have beards. That's really cool. 1970s, beards were for drifters and for art school teachers, quote unquote. <laughs> And finally, there was an ad that announced that the best-selling book of the year had been <gasps> The Exorcist. Honestly. Neville is being rewarded today. That's a cool-ass uh, time. Of, that's a cool time for the country. Yeah, I mean, that's a, if we were to see this particular edition of the newspaper, we what? would look at it like, this is fucking awesome. Like, Holy what shit. Dodge the bullet. <laughs> Looking good, Charlie. Love The Exorcist. Yeah. This is the best news day in Henry Zabrowski's week. I just yeah. can't believe, man, this is going to be so funny because I say it all the time. I can't believe they made a book out of that movie, <laughs> The Exorcist. The Exorcist. I always like to flip it. See, that's what I do. I've done this a thousand times, yeah. guys. You don't know my joke. No, I know I can't this believe joke. they made a book out of that movie because it's always the joke. book that comes first. I know yeah. this joke. I'm explaining yeah. the joke because it's so funny. <laughs> Actually, John List tried reading The Exorcist. He bought it. Uh, and he stopped reading after two pages. He threw it away because he thought that it glorified Satan. Yeah. Yeah. It's the freaking exorcist. Technically, I mean, the devil's the, the, the villain in the book. Yeah. I don't really understand. The priests win. Definitely well, glorifies the priesthood more than Satan. That's true. Yeah. But John, this edition of the newspaper, John saw it as proof that the world was fallen into the hands of the devil, which was all the more reason to send his family to heaven Post haste. So at 8.30 a.m., the milkman came by for one of his twice-weekly visits to deliver the regular List family order of six quarts of milk, butter, and eggs. <laughs> Gotta get and your- don't forget about the cock. <laughs> I do think the milk... I have a fantasy the milkman probably studded most of the suburbs in New Jersey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah he came in. As long as he was... You just had to have those natural V. Yeah, well, maybe he did, because yeah, he's those, the milkman. The top pubic bone muscle. Nothing hotter than a milkman. All the milkman found, however, was a note requesting that the delivery stop until further notice because the family had gone on vacation. And here in the milkman note was the essence of John's entire plan. See, John was a student of true crime and had studied all the different ways in which a killer might be caught. So John's personal plan for getting away with mass murder required two things, time and distance. John had to make it appear as if the entire family had left town on an emergency, and he had to make sure that the house attracted no visitors, like paper boys or milkmen. He knew he could some meddlesome little boys <laughs> trying to ruin my plan. No, it's just the newspaper. I'm just giving you meddlesome the newspaper. Meddlesome boys. Oh, seems like you have a nefarious plan, Mr. List. It is to be a father. How much stress it is. I'm just trying to give you the paper. It is to hold the line. My dad told me if I got fired from this job again, he would disown me. So can you just take this fucking paper, please? I'll disown you permanently from your fucking life. Oh man. He knew he couldn't keep people away forever, but the longer the bodies went without being discovered, the further away from New Jersey John List would be. So, after the daily parade of morning visitors to the house came to an end, John, right on schedule, decided that it was time for the murders to begin. Uh-oh. With the kids already off to school, John could take his time killing his wife and his mother. It's also... It's oh. the... 
the, the decision was mom. made. This has taken a long time, and he's really put a lot of work into this plan. So the way he works is, which is how he always tried to keep himself out from underneath pressure. You know what I mean? Because when he used to work at his corporate little job, his little fucking his accountant job, he knew that what it takes is you got to do all the legwork beforehand, so that when it comes to tax season, it's easy. It's easy, yeah, sure. So, so that's now, what they say. They say if you work really hard in practice, the game is easy. The game is yeah. easy. So he said he did all this work, and now he just knows. He just folds up his newspaper and he says, "Look." Time to start my first Monday of my new life. Wow. It's such a, str- I mean, it's really creepy when you think about how organized and patient yeah. and just sort of methodical it all is, given how, so. how heinous the crime is. I mean, it's really, I can't, it's almost scarier than someone like the always mentioned Richard Chase. Yeah. Where it's just like, I went in because the door wasn't locked and it's crazy, but like, there's something even scarier about this. Yeah, this isn't a, a crime of complete and total uncontrolled passion. This is a list of errands to be done. Wow. The daddy train's pulling out of the station. I and think about the daddy train is it doesn't care if a bunch of little kids are on the tracks. That Mm-mm. daddy train's going to new daddy town. He could have <laughs> just gotten a divorce again, but whatever. We know that. Well, at around 9 a.m., Helen came downstairs to the kitchen to heat some water for her coffee. John was waiting, and the two barely acknowledged each other when she came into the room, as was their custom. Oh, that's not a horrible marriage. That's their custom. That's custom. (laughs) That's their religion. That's where they're from. John gave Helen enough time to have a sip of coffee. Then he pulled out his 22 caliber pistol and aimed it at her head from about 18 inches away. Without saying a word, he pulled the trigger and shot her in the jaw. Helen was knocked to the floor and blood began pouring from her face. Yet she was not even close to death. So John shot his wife several more times to ensure that she was no longer in the land of the living. Now, this hadn't necessarily been a part of the plan. Helen and John's mother, Alma, lived on separate floors, and they, in fact, had two different kitchens, so they wouldn't have to interact with each other at all. One of the perks of having a mansion you can't afford. I guess... And had there just been one shot, Alma probably wouldn't have noticed. But three or four bullets fired from a pistol were sure to attract attention. Yeah. So John ran to the upstairs kitchen on the third floor where his mother was also having coffee. When he opened the door without knocking, the first time he'd ever done that to his mother in his whole fucking life, she immediately asked what the noise downstairs was. Again, silently, John raised his pistol and shot his mother above the left eye at point blank range. If you look at the th- this, these type of mass murders, I think they, they mm. lose a little bit of like, you know, what you'd call like traditional kind of gore or intensity that you'd say. Well, from I know there's serial killers. I- but if you see it, when you look at the crime scene photos, mm. because the crime scene photos show you just how grisly of a crime mm. it actually was, especially the pictures of Alma. Because yeah. Alma's the dead wife. body, no, that's the, the grandma, uh-huh. was because he specifically wanted them to see him pull the gun. And so both of them died in total surprise. Mm-hmm. The the look mm. on Alma's face on her dead body is horrifying because she literally looks like you know those pictures that they do in like what they do with gun training schools when they go to like have like cutouts of like hostages right. with their mm-hmm. like and hostage takers. She looks like one of those with her arms completely up and her face in this look of total shock, right. just frozen in a scream like the fucking like that painting the the the, the, the scream. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is a look of pure. Uh, 
anguish and surprise. Yeah. Man. And for some reason hearing like the, the jaw being shot off, you can just, I mean, you can't even really imagine what she must have been thinking. Like how freaking nuts is, is that? You got oh, your jaw probably, shut off, by then shut she, off, and then you're like, I mean, God, poor. That's just, you know what I'm gonna say? That ain't right for no one to die like that. No, no. Nope. Now, as I said, John's plan was to drag all the bodies to the ballroom, presumably to keep them away from prying eyes who might peek into the windows over the coming days and weeks. But Alma List was far too heavy for John to drag down the stairs. Instead, he rolled her corpse up in a carpet runner and dragged it down the hallway, where it was crammed into a small utility room. Then, out of respect for his mother, he used newspapers and old towels to clean up the wide streak of blood left behind by the dragged corpse. So after stowing away his mother's body, John returned to his wife's. He grabbed her feet and dragged her to the ballroom, leaving behind a 40-foot-long trail of blood. Jeez. Then, in an impotent, tone-deaf gesture of gentleness, John laid out a series of sleeping bags on which to lay his family's bodies. Ah, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But this is, again, <laughs> the deeper side of what would be called a, a covert narcissist, where he did this for himself. Mm. He he put out the sleeping bags to make himself feel like I'm giving a gentle send off to yes. my family. It's like what happened with Chris Watts with his family when he killed the little girls, when he killed his Ugh. kids, which is the worst part of the whole thing. He had to kill yeah. them twice, which, yeah. again, very similar to John List in, in that respect. But it was a... If I put them someplace where I don't have to see them, it's more like they disappeared. Like Chris Watts was way more like that, where it's like yeah. it's like they're gone and I Look don't see them wow. anymore. Wow, yeah, they're just they're gone, and <laughs> that's, that's why because he put them in, down in these big oil tankers. The oil so they tanks, could, yeah. But this guy, it, it's just I guess it's why it make me hate him even more. It's because this is obvious. He keeps saying this was to to help my family. This was to protect them. But mm. no, it's not. It's about fucking no. you, buddy. Well, it's definitely yeah, one dead. way to make a haunted ass ballroom. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Well, once he opened up two sleeping bags and laid them out flat next to each other, he laid the third perpendicular above the others and rolled Helen's body into the middle of the floor pallet he'd made for the family. Helen's bathrobe was then arranged to cover her legs and John grabbed a bath towel to cover her torso while her face was covered by a towel from the kitchen. This time, John soaked up the pool of blood left by Helen's fatal wounds with paper towels and newspapers. This is just a pathetic ad uh, for Bounty, and I can't believe that we're doing this. And Marcus, I'm actually upset with you for doing with this me. in yeah, show, because uh, we know we got our big Bounty money coming, <laughs> and they were bounty like, can you work it into the show? And we're like, yeah, we can. Yeah, I guess we can. Quicker yeah, yeah. picker upper, thank you, your family, get Bounty. Yeah, soak up all the membranes. Yeah. Well, once the bodies of his mother and wife were in places John felt were suitable, he walked to Helen's bedroom and wiped his bloody hands on her sheets. Then, in his only moment of emotion during the entire ordeal, John rolled and convulsed on the bed. (laughs) Then ran to the bathroom and vomited, where he left a bloody palm print on the toilet lid. I just wish I crash test dummies music video. What's going on? (laughs) I just wish I killed her with a fucking knife. Yeah, but you used a gun. What are you upset about? I didn't want to ruin the knives. Ah, I see. Once he composed himself, John showered, scrubbed off all the blood, and put on a fresh suit and tie. He was due for a 10 a.m. meeting with his boss at the insurance company. But 
John called and canceled, saying his mother-in-law was sick and the whole family was heading out that very day to be with her in North Carolina. Uh, John, I can hear you winking over the phone every time you say (laughs) sick. Did you, uh, by any chance... Kill your whole family. Honestly, right after I go and visit my mother-in-law, we are going to have to actually go to the doctor because my eyelids are too tight, if you can hear that. <laughs> uh-huh, and I do need I them can. loosened I, because, unfortunately, I can't have everybody know when I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> Again, write it in italics next time. Thanks. <laughs> John then wrote letters to the kids' schools making the same excuse, saying that the entire family would be gone for an unspecified amount of time until the emergency had passed. Mm. Then John went outside and raked the leaves in his front yard for the last time, which drew looks from his neighbor because the temperature was a record low that day. And it was also the middle of the workday. So no matter what happens, no matter no matter the fact that eventually someone's going to go in and find all of the rotting bodies of your family, you are still too embarrassed to have leaves on your front yard. Or was he... It seems like he was also just like human. What do human do? Human leaves. A little bit. <laughs> like I'm sure he was right. Yeah. Just to kind a of, little bit. Almost I to think, get through the day. Well, I think he also realized that he was not going to live in a house for a very long time. And he was the sort of guy where raking leaves on his front yard uh, made him feel good. He liked it. He liked to, he liked to set those simple things that like, well, I can just go rake the leaves and that's that's done. And there's no skill involved. See, every father wanted a son that raked the leaves. But you know what those sons do? They kill their whole families. Look at me now, Dad, <laughs> with no family at all. So technically, maybe we have killed the family. Yeah, you did by the just family. not having one. Yeah, you did family annihilation just by shooting in the air. Oh, look at, that. <laughs> at noon, though, John's plans hit a snag. He'd been expecting his daughter Patty home at 5 p.m., which would have made her the last family member murdered that day. But at noon, Patty called to say she wasn't feeling well and needed a ride home. Uh oh. So John, annoyed, picked up his daughter oh. and drove her home to her death in silence. When he parked the car, he hurried ahead inside as she collected her books so he could make sure to get a good spot to get a drop on his 16-year-old daughter. Always be scared if you've never seen your father run. If you've never seen your father run and then yes. you watch a father who is most moved at a sandal-led saunter, if he scurries into the house being like, oh, I got a surprise, I got a surprise, <laughs> and he just said two days ago he's going to kill everybody, I just stay in a car. Yeah, yeah maybe you just go to the neighbor's house or something, but... A minute later, she followed him through the laundry room, and as soon as she closed the door, John raised his pistol and fired at close range into the back of her head, making Patty the only member of the family who didn't see it coming. She fell to the floor and thankfully died quickly. Her body was dragged to the ballroom as well, leaving behind another 40-foot streak of blood, and she was laid next to her mother's body. Now, the nice thing is you could actually, I know you wanted to be an actress. Tom Petty has a music video in about 25 years called Mary Jane's Last Dance. You could be Mary Jane. Unfortunately, you'll just be a skeleton at that moment. I'm sorry. They actually, they are taken to supermodel instead. I'm sorry. They're going to have to pass on you. They're moving in a different direction. Yes. I'm a bad father. By 1 p.m., John had showered and changed clothes again, and it was back to running errands. Oh, my God. He cashed an $85 personal check at the bank, then went to the post office, where he mailed the letters to his children's school and filed a form requesting a 30-day hold on mail delivery. Because you can't have mail piling up. I feel like almost it's about the forms. 
Same thing with the, the fingerprinting almost. I think he loved forms. I think, I think that he yes. thought that he was going to be okay if he just did all the proper paperwork. They'd be like, well, we can't arrest him. Uh, he, was, <laughs> he went down, he did ABC, he did it all right. He we know for out. a fact that he that is correct. He actually almost got away. He almost got away, but there's something about like this idea of like, he did all these like jurisprudence things where he like walked around and he did all these like, like governmental bullshit. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's very strange. Oh, yeah, but, but it is all in service to the plan. the plan. It's all back to the plan again and again. Well, still at the post office, John also scheduled a special delivery to his house to be carried out that afternoon at 5 p.m. That special delivery was a letter containing a note and a key. Next, he went to another bank and cashed a check on his mother's account, which drained the last of her money. See, when Alma List had moved into the mansion in Westfield, her account sat at a pretty hefty balance of $50,000. But by this last day, John cashed a check to drain the last 200. Oh. And also cashed in a stack of savings bonds worth two grand. So they spent all of his mom's money on this money pit of a house, probably, it's right? It's not yep. just that, it's everything. It's their way they were living. And the so clothes, he, yeah. their lifestyle. He really just. You could, that's how much of a fucking planner he is. You can just see him buttoning up his suit and just be like, you know the difference between me and you? I make this look bland. <laughs> <laughs> but he went and he took it to the very last minute. Yeah. Like wow. he was borrowing and stealing and borrowing and stealing to the very last second. Yeah. Mm. And this, you know, the $200 and the $2,000 in savings bonds, that was the last of the List family money. And that would be what John would use to start his new life the very next day. But it seems like he negated the most important part of escaping, which is money. You'll Doesn't see. It, like, you start. Okay. He, he, right. he has an he has an understanding. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year, thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with 
horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, by 3 p.m., Fred List, the youngest son, showed up to his after-school job and learned that Patty had gone home sick from school that day. So, he called home and asked for a ride back to the house, presumably so he could take care of his sick sister. Apparently, Fred was a very sweet boy. John, again annoyed at the unexpected change in plans, picked up his youngest son and again drove him home in silence and again rushed out of the car so he could get the drop on his kid as soon as he walked in the door. He's annoyed they're messing with his murder the whole family plan. What he actually doesn't understand is that they're actually helping him with his plan and giving him these opportunities more than them showing up surprised while he was murdering the family. They were all good little kids calling him and letting him know all of the shit that was going on. Meanwhile, because they could have interrupted him moving a body. Yeah. 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 This time, so however. He, so he should not be so... Technically, he was too blessed to be stressed in this moment. Well, <laughs> all right. This time, however, John faced his son as he raised the gun, and Fred was fully aware in that moment that his father was making good on his promise to murder his whole family in cold blood. And after firing a single fatal shot, John again dragged the body to the ballroom where Fred was laid next to his mother and his sister. But following that murder, John's plan was nearly discovered by the only family member left. John Jr. was supposed to go to soccer practice. But since the day was unseasonably cold, practice was canceled and John Jr. ambled on home early. Luckily for John Sr., however, he saw his son walking up the driveway. So he was in position when John Jr. walked in the door. But when John Jr. walked in the door, also probably saw all of the blood, he saw his father raise the gun and he was able to dodge the first shot. But all this meant was that the bullet went in John's back, not his head, and he Mm. fell to the floor wounded. So John List fired again, yet John Jr. still would not die. John Sr. then pulled out his other pistol and 
two gunned the murder like it was a fucking action movie. Like John as Woo. His, as his 15 year old son crawled across the floor. Oh, the, my, like it's L.A. Noir or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the end of it, John List had shot his middle son 10 times. That's what it took to kill him. Jeez. All right. He so was I've, also, I feel like that might have been his most uh, quote unquote emotional death. And I, I wonder uh, what. I don't think this death was emotional. I, I don't I think any of the just deaths boom, were emotional. Boom, boom. Yeah, he, he was nothing. He's gone. It was efficiency. He just, he just kept shooting. He did the, cause he did the same thing with Helen. Well, you know. He, he shot, fired shot, a, shot, and, shot. And, and and speaking to the emotion, I mean, the person in the family that I think he had, at least the kid that he had the most um, emotion towards and the most, you know, hatred towards was Patty. Yeah, and Patty and was given fast. the ki- and Patty was given the kindest death uh, of all. So you know I think it was, was just he shot until he was dead until yeah. he stopped moving. And you know, when he was shooting John Jr. with the two hands in his gun, he was just like, why can't they invent guns for feet? <laughs> um, so then I can have four guns. I'm gonna walk in. So I mean, that was just—I guess the idea died with him, didn't it? What if a good song comes on? <laughs> you can start fucking killing don't, randoms. That's that's up for uh, that's up for you to that's up for you to talk to the judge about. <laughs> so after dragging John Jr.'s body to the ballroom to rest alongside the others, John rearranged the bodies where three lay side by side, and the fourth was above, perpendicular to the rest. It's haunting looking because of how organized it is. Yeah, yeah after it's never all, good the, to have human Jenga. Yeah. yeah, in your house with a bunch of corpses. It looks like a tiny little Jonestown. Like oh. it's that it's that sort of uh, laying out of the bodies. I mean, thank God this guy wasn't more charismatic. It could have been a Jonestown. Mm. I mean, this guy well, didn't have the personality to be a cult leader. Something about the, uh. the idea of the way they were all plotted out. It just shows just how much time he spent with these dead bodies. Yeah, like it's very oh, strange. It it's a and it's a battle. All night. It's oh. ultimate final control. And the sweet silence. You think silence. he was happy hanging out with the corpses? He talked about it immediately. I mean, when he goes on the road, he he himself said he felt a relief because of how much strain he was under. And wow. so there, this is a sense of relief that he yeah. has when they're all dead. Huge relief. And after all the bodies were arranged in a manner that was to his liking, John dropped to his knees and prayed for forgiveness. Done. Oh. did it. Boom. <laughs> Look at that. Isn't that nice? Forgiven. Yeah. You know, you could have done that. You couldn't have not done that. Nope. Had to drop the knee. Had to do it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That meant that in John's belief system, if he were to drop dead at that very moment, he'd be welcomed into heaven with open arms. Thanks, God. Is <laughs> <laughs> he up there, family? Huh? I mean, one thing, though, actually, I didn't really think about just how my family might actually be mad to see me in heaven, but yeah. we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Seems like a fatal flaw in the uh, in the uh, religious doctrine there. But. Well, a couple hours later at 5 p.m., the mailman arrived with a special delivery letter John mailed himself earlier that day. But John set it aside for the moment because there were still a few loose ends to tie up. At 7, he called his pastor, the good Reverend Eugene A. Raywinkle, at the Redeemer <laughs> Evangelical Lutheran Church. <laughs> oh, it's man. cute. It's a yeah, cute, name. A yeah, cute Reverend, name. Yeah, yeah. Gene Raywinkle is a—that's uh, a hell of a man, right there. Yep. Yeah. I mean, as long Honestly, as he has he, no sex crimes against children, he might have a twelve-inch cock. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the yeah. two of them had a friendly chat, and John told his pastor that the family would be in North Carolina caring for Helen's mother until further notice. John then called Ed Iliano, Patty's drama instructor, and told him that she'd be missing theater workshops for a bit 
and she would be unable to participate as an understudy in the upcoming performance of A Streetcar Named Desire, as was planned. Also, I'm just going to put this right here and say you straight up, your midsummer last summer, honestly, was subpar. Yeah, I think that John, I think that he would just be upset that it didn't take place during midsummer. He'd be like, technically, it's fall. This does not line up. Yeah, this I is just, not the fall. This is not the, the season I am experiencing. No, no. <laughs> Next, John sat down and wrote a series of letters on stationery, which had been ordered for a consulting business that John had attempted to build, but had failed to get off the ground. Along the top of his customized stationery, it said, John E. List. Career builder. Family. What? Yeah. <laughs> what career? Who would go to him for help? First, John wrote a letter to his mother-in-law, who was completely unaware that she'd been used as a means of subterfuge in John List's escape. The letter apologized for the murders, but gave List reasons, namely that he couldn't support his family anymore, but didn't want everyone to go into poverty or hell. Done and done. Another <laughs> slam dunk? Yeah, checks out. <laughs> All right. Next, John wrote a letter to Helen's sister, Jean, saying pretty much the same thing, and, oddly, offering what he called his sincere sympathy for the unavoidable death of her sister. And here's an IOU for another sister. You're going to want to keep that. (laughs) (laughs) That's an important one. (laughs) Then, he wrote a letter to his mother's sister, Lydia, starting this letter the exact same way he'd started the other three. Quote, Bye now. You've heard what has happened to Helen and the children. It, that was, but it, that's how he started it. He's Every single so one of them. By like, now, I mean, what's he going to start with? Hey, how you doing? Hey, how's what's the up? weather? <laughs> how's them hanging? Low one to the left? <laughs> Me too, don't. brother. Yeah, you know what? It's a good point. After you kill your family, how do you address it in the letter? Yeah. See, well, yeah. the, the way you address it is that you act as if it's a storm that came in. You may have heard. <laughs> yeah. This thing just happened to them. Yeah. He didn't do anything. It happened to them. They yes. they they brought it amongst them onto themselves. They Jeez. did this. It's like they killed themselves. Uh, I just was like the guy that like unfortunately had to pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah. but you it's hard for you. I'm actually more this. sympathetic towards you, Look John. Look at my finger and it I, got burnt. It did. It got yeah. burnt by yeah. the barrel. <laughs> well, that's actually yeah. why I'm so happy you're here because I've been uh in the business of Guns for feet for a long time. <laughs> sure, you I got find a sore. Do you have a sore trigger finger? <laughs> I, how's your toe? I find this business to be irresponsible, and I actually think that you should visit me, Johnny List, career builder. Oh. And we'll start talking about how about instead of building guns for your feet, double guns, so you have twice the gun for your hand. That works too. Well, this letter to uh, John's Aunt Lydia was the first one that mentioned his mother, although he again justified his actions by saying that he'd saved her from untold anguish uh, that would have resulted uh, coming from his actions and that he had relieved her from, quote, this veil of tears. Whoa, he's oh getting fucking God. like goopy with it. Yeah, yeah, he really is. He's getting far Now, with what it. is this? This smells like a vagina. <laughs> this candle smells like a vagina. <laughs> Next, he wrote to his Put boss. Put out that flame. Put out that devil's flame. Hell, the fuels, the fuel, the fumes and fuels of indecency. Last podcast, butthole candles coming in May. <laughs> Next, he wrote to his boss at State Mutual Life Insurance, a man named Bert, and he apologized for the way he was quitting his job. He is really circling around the things he should be apologizing for. I already apologized, and it's as good as any. As good as not doing it, I apologize. Okay. He then added, quote, I want to thank you for everything that you did for me. You treated me better 
than any associate I've ever dealt with. And I am sorry that I have to repay you in this way. <laughs> You're th- I am, again, I'm sorry. So. This is not I'm an act, Kathy moment. Yeah. What do you mean you're? St- <laughs> I said I'm sorry. I don't know what else you want from me. An apology is, also, is how the most is hardest thing me? to say. It's so hard I to give a genuine apology. Blood. I didn't I'm ask for the sorry. blood of three virgins as payment. I'm sorry. <laughs> what did? Oh, okay. So this. Yeah, so he letter to really. Bert. So he's just sitting there, and at this point, the corpses have got to start smelling. No, no. It's just start. These you, are they're all fresh, buddy. I mean, yeah, these are No, but you. The human body defecates right away. You smell death fairly quickly. It doesn't have to be decomposing. Yeah, I smell shit. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's going to be sitting there smelly. It's, it's got to not it's, smell great. It's a big house. You know what, guys? I'm a fucking idiot then. He's sitting there, and it smells like a Glade plug-in, and it's just a beautiful summer rain. Well, John saved the last and longest letter for his pastor, the good Reverend Gene Raywinkle. In this last one, John further justifies his every decision, writing to the pastor as if he's trying to plead his case to God. John actually wrote, in what was an unwittingly damning indictment of Reverend Ray Winkle's character, that, quote, You are the only person that I know that, while not condoning this, will at least partially understand why I felt I had to do this. Oh, uh, I think you're greatly like overestimating my ability to handle Man someone up, killing Gene. the whole family. Man up. Understand how hard it is. You understand. You read, you read a flock. I, you need a flock. And you know, what do you do anyone. with a flock? You shave them, right? You get well, wool from a flock. You get no, you mutton from the birds. flock. You don't Sometimes, shave birds. <laughs> you're a shepherd. I'm it's a flock. shepherd. Sheep. Flock of sheep. Not a, not a flock of seagulls. <laughs> Also, uh, Gene, I am. I've had it up to here with you. <laughs> you're mad at me. You just killed your whole family, and you're mad at me. Now you're gonna have to understand why I have to do this. Now you're dead, Gene, Father Gene. God That's damn me. it! Also, you can insert your own Ray Finkel jokes here. Well, the one thing about this letter, which I love, is this constant reiteration of, if we had only all gone in a different direction. Mm-hmm. We'd be in a different place. I don't know about the we part. See, he keeps <laughs> saying we. He's just yeah. like we are. Just we really just couldn't get past this point. We all couldn't rise to the occasion, rise to what God wanted from us. But it's like it's weird because he's not included in the annihilation. Yeah, right. there's no we. And, and he keeps know, saying like. If we only had one of these things to deal with, then we would have been fine. But all of them together, it's just too much to bear. If, you know, say, like if say we were poor, but Patty wasn't into acting, then that would be fine. If I didn't see her nipples on Wednesday, (laughs) we might be fine. Okay. Interesting thing, I guess one last thing about the control with John List and his children, is that even though all of them had told them that they wanted to be buried... John explicitly said in his letter that the kids preferred cremation. And what? John also added that it needed to be done as cheaply as possible. Yeah, because also caskets are expensive. That's the truth. Funerals yeah. are very expensive. So he, all of that is monetary. Yeah. He, sir, he, that was all, he wanted to see the fear on his family's face when yeah. he told them that he was going to kill them all. He wanted them all to <sighs> beg and be like, no, daddy, no, daddy, we, we will we'll follow whatever you want. Like, he wanted them to all flip and change. And they, that like he thought that him presenting this final ultimatum was going to make them all change as human beings. They, they will change. It's called aging. 
and they're not going to be kids forever. That's not fast enough. (laughs) Wait until they're 40, and then you can be a grandfather or something. John then asked to be dropped from the congregation rolls and wrote that the murders were most likely what God had wanted because God hadn't answered any of his previous prayers concerning the kids, his wife, or his financial situation. So you're um, going to give this a 93.3% of like, this is what God wanted, 93%. <laughs> Listen, let me, I'll show you. God, all right, I'm going to kill my family. Silence means I can go ahead. God, I'm going to kill my family. You, your silence is implicitness. All right, well, thank you. All right. Oh, actually, hold on a second. John, John, I was just about to answer you. I was, I was actually shoving a pineapple up Hitler's ass. <laughs> John, John, uh, must have been nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, finally, after signing his name, John ended the letter to Reverend Ray Winkle with this postscript. P.S. Mother's in the hallway in the attic. Third floor. She was too heavy to move. What? Okay. Do you need to make the fat joke? Also, <laughs> this is the postscript. I think it was this a weak. Is... I think it was more of a weakness thing because yeah. she she was an elderly woman. Oh, yeah, and she God. wasn't that big. I oh. hate this. I mean, obviously, I know it's shocking, but I don't like this guy. Well, she's like yeah. one forty, but you can still roll someone who's one forty into another room. Yes, who cares? Like, you can flip her and roll her if you There's really want. There's a series her. of ways to to you drag can put a corpse. her on her carpet was, and drag her if you want. He to. did do that, but it was getting her down the stairs. I think it was. Get, I think her down the stairs. I, but I think that would have been too disrespectful oh, and too yes. crude. In you're his right. You're mind. right. Yeah, he just shot her in the head. You don't want to disrespect. Yeah. Well, after writing all the letters, John then opened the letter he'd mailed to himself earlier that day. The key contained therein fit a lock on a desk drawer in his office, and all of the letters he'd written were locked inside. The note from the letter was placed on the desk, and the note gave instructions to whoever found the bodies to contact the authorities, then used the key to unlock the desk where they would find letters that would need to be delivered to the correct recipients. What a fucking drama queen and also a pain in the ass. Yeah, am I playing The Room? The very, very <laughs> difficult game, by the way, The Room. I remember that. That's a good game. I don't understand this. Like, I, I don't know if he, like, I don't know if you wanted to introduce like an element of ritual and finality to the murders, but I don't understand why he had to go to the post office, mail himself a key right. and a note just to leave the key and the note on his desk. There's, I also love uh, that he pointed out, oh, make sure to go to the authorities. Like, oh, I was going to go to the water park. Like, <laughs> well, no shit. He had a version of things. He had a version of OCD. Yeah. I think that there is a, a part of it because I understand it from what I've understood of how the, my behavior when I described it to a therapist once and that therapist said it sounded like I had OCD sounds mm-hmm. a little bit like this where he I think it's about magic thinking magical thinking mixed with ritual there is also something about more distancing where mm. he sends the letter out so it looks like it came, like he was already gone was like, this, mm-hmm. like was maybe this? there was a maybe there was like a tiny period of time where he thought maybe I could blame it on somebody else maybe right right yeah, um, I was going to say, was this some sort of, did he think that he was going to be able to get away with it? Did he think that he was going to be able to, uh, oh, he, because he of all the thought he was going to get away with it. Oh, what, yeah. what, maybe, actually, I think I may have figured it out. I think I may, might know what it is, is uh, if he was already gone by the time he got there, by the time he, uh, but if he was already gone that day for whatever reason, then... The letter and the key would still be at the house. Yes. So and somebody then, would find it eventually, but he ended up still being there. But when the the, the whole thing was delivered, it was like a fail safe. Oh, and yes. Okay. And his obsession with the control of yeah. the information has him 
put these steps in, so they have to go through all of his rigmarole to find all the reasons why. Like to go yeah. through. So he wanted to make sure no one would find it beforehand. He wanted everyone to find out at the same time in a highly organized anal, uh, absolutely uh, just fucking just what a what a shithead. These people are all, they're all always such fucking drama queens. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So after the letters were taken care of, John made and ate dinner, then slept until before dawn. Hold on a second. I don't know what he made. I don't know what he made and ate. This is a Ben Kissel toss-up. I'm saying Salisbury steak. (laughs) I imagine he made a cheese sandwich. (laughs) Cheese sandwich? He wasn't the cooker. Mm. Mm. Then he slept until just before dawn with every light in every room except the ballroom on. The next morning, he destroyed what family photos he could find and fed Helen's fish. And the family photos thing was also a part of the plan. Mm -hmm. The last thing John Liss did before Mm -hmm. leaving the house was lower the temperature on the thermostat, which made sure that the bodies already decomposing in the ballroom would be kept at a low temperature to prevent any kind of smell from reaching the neighbors. You know, this is, uh, you know, this is November in New Jersey, mm. in an unseasonably cold November in New Jersey. So those bodies were essentially kept on ice. He, on turned, the, he turned his mansion into the most expensive slow cooker in the planet. <laughs> he turned it down. <laughs> it's like a slow cooker. I mean, they're cooking no matter what. <laughs> I guess. Is it possible in the another act of total douchebaggery that he did, that he turned it down for financial reasons as well. <laughs> like he was like, he oh, you better turn it. We keep it at 69 degrees. I think it might have to do with the smell and trying okay. to, because also that other thing too, he didn't want them to decompose that insanely because yeah. he wanted them to be found in a respectful way. He, okay. Whatever. Well, John's last errand in town was to drive by the office of KMV Associates where Patty and Fred worked part-time to drop off a letter excusing their absence from work. And with that, John wrapped up the last loose end without a single slip-up. He then drove to JFK Airport, parked his car in the long-term lot, and abandoned it, effectively ending the trail for investigators for another 18 years years oh my god it would be a month before the family was found and that's the singular reason why that's the really it shows that what you he is correct how you get away from cops especially this time period because it is difficult they don't have like you know all the same databases electric well now he would have put it all on tiktok now he would have been like, look at what I've done. And then he would make a fun song about it. And he then never he would be arrested. liked effusiveness. And you have to be able to let go to be good on TikTok. I guess You have so. to be willing to be with the, the rhythm on TikTok and have the have that wrist motion. Is that right? See, as far as the town of Westfield, New Jersey was concerned, the List family was simply out of town on a family emergency. It wasn't until November 20th, the night of the streetcar performance, that the drama club started worrying about Patty. It was 11 days after the murder. See, John List had left every light in the house turned on when he left. But since Mm. the Lists were in and of themselves strange people, no one in the neighborhood gave it much thought until the lights in the house started burning out one by one. It has now been oh. memorialized in every single true crime podcast or documentary or the now movies that I've seen. It's this is how the movies always open, right? They yeah. always open with him eating the sandwich at dinner. Like Robert Blake, who also Robert Blake 
played himself as a 16-year-old in it, which I did not know. He played John Lisnett as a 16-year-old. You should see it. him in his, like, army, like, his army, whatever, that, like, you know, with the nice ones. It's not the blues. That's navy blues. Whatever it is that he was wearing. Fatigues. Yeah, no, like, the nice, like, uniforms that they wear. Okay. And it's Robert Blake just being like, I don't understand, Mommy. We're going to get married soon. Like, him trying to play a child was incredible. But it's always this scene of... The, the mansion with all the lights on, classical music, who can hear it blaring from the inside as the lights slowly burn out yeah. on the inside, eventually becoming dark. That is the one problem with high def, isn't it? You can no longer be 50 and play a 16-year-old. Nowadays, you actually have to be... This was in 1993. Well, it was still low def. You watched the... Oh, that was all grainy. That was that was all... Uh, Smooth. Snow, yeah. st- polar bear in a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what you used to call the Spice Channel, and then you would hopefully try to jerk off to a boob, and then you you realized you were watching the Horror Network, and it crossed the wires, and this is my story, actually. Yeah, this is <laughs> yeah. the Ben Kissel story. Yeah. Well, the schools were starting to ask questions as well, when the days John Liss had originally told them about turned into weeks. Ed Eliano, the drama teacher, tried talking to the police, but they said they couldn't do anything because there was no evidence of wrongdoing. But without a patty, there is no winter review. <laughs> <laughs> well, and isn't that the biggest crime of all? And finally, on December 5th, almost a month after the murders, Ed Eliano decided he was going to take matters into his own hands. I will use my costume from the Cat Burglar Diaries and I will go over there and show them. that Maybe, yes, I am an actor during the afternoon, but in the evenings, I too could be a man who does a bit of investigation on his own. I kind of need to see this guy do that. Yeah. He drove to the house and searched the windows until he finally found one that was unlocked. And so Ed entered the list home. Okay. And after a very brief search... Ed came upon the bloated, decomposing, maggot-infested bodies oh. of Helen and the children. Oh, oh no! Yeah, that's your actor. Oh, that's, uh, oh, no! Oh, this is too much. I mean, kinda. <laughs> upon seeing them, Ed ran away, got into his car, and drove home in what he said was a blackout state. Said he doesn't remember. Oh, wait. It. Oh, he didn't Yesterday call the police? Gone, see the pretty countryside. <laughs> Merrily we roll along, roll along. <laughs> you can, yeah, you can just see him totally shook, opening up his opening up his car door, turning the key. Oh, Oklahoma. <laughs> oh, the only thing will calm me after this Ooh. is a nice glass of milk and a little bit of Hamlet's soliloquy, chapter three, verse nine, seven, four, eleven, twelve. <laughs> <laughs> that could all be real. I have no idea. He said that the site was so overwhelming that it took him two days to fully process it. My slippers didn't fit for two whole weeks. Wow, that's really <laughs> sad. He didn't call the police? No. He, he, okay, well, I mean, I'm, whatever. Well, he right. finally decided after two days that he had no choice. He had to do something about it. So he went back <laughs> to the house. <laughs> Wait, yeah. 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 So he went back to the house and made a lot of noise breaking in this time. Uh, and, uh, oh, just call. Oh, I'm breaking into this hole. Can you see? Who's that incredible singer? Oh, it's the drama aficionado. Aficionado. Just call the police. And police. that caused the, <laughs> And that caused the neighbors to call the cops. And when the cops uh-huh, see, I am useful. And when the cops finally entered the house, they found that John had left his favorite classical music station playing on the radio 
at full blast. Hey, I'm Symphony Sid. You just kill your family. Here's a song to take you back to when you had a family. Do you need to calm down? Here's a Wagner. This will help you really drift off to sleep after killing one, two, three, four of your daughters. Four days later, John Liz's car was found in the JFK long-term parking lot during a routine check for stolen vehicles. But there was no evidence whatsoever of where John List had run off to. All right, hear me out. Hear me out. He either got on a plane and went to start a new life, or he became one of the cars. We need to open up every single one of the trucks. One VW bug just turns into John List. Uh, 1971. This was the crime of the century in New Jersey. So police chief Knuckles Moran put everything he had into finding John List. <laughs> that is a nickname that I don't want to know how he got. That's how deep I get. I guess. <laughs> but since John had obviously left New Jersey, the FBI got involved as well. First, they put up flyers in pharmacies all over the country because John List had such severe hemorrhoids that he consumed a conspicuous amount of Preparation H. Hey, hey, you, you know, not. everyone you're leaves gonna the relate. trail. You're going to relate the trail. Oh, it should not be your hemorrhoid drip on every seat that you sit on. Then God, they're that. gross. Then the FBI put up flyers in every optometrist they could find because John was so badly nearsighted, he had to frequently change his prescription. Finally, the FBI tried putting up flyers at Lutheran churches, but not a single one allowed the FBI to do so. Why not? Because they didn't want to be involved. They didn't want to be involved, and you know, I'm sure they it's also that other bull- the- I'm sure it's also that other bullshit things like everyone deserves a place to worship. Yeah. Yeah. But they also have a lot of churches in prison. Mm-hmm. There's a sh- boatload of churches in prison. Oh, Although yeah, in prison. actually never go to church in prison, air quotes, because there's a lot of unprotected sex that occurs and a lot of violent things that happen. And that's where a lot of snitches go. So do not, I've been watching a lot oh. of YouTube. There's a fat guy who was in prison. <laughs> that's really and interesting. And he talks to about, no, no, don't go to church because you will assume you're getting blown in the bathroom and that, then they, they make fun of you. That's why if you go to prison, always protect yourself during sex. Get yourself some boxing gloves. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, I would have preferred if you didn't put that in your cock before you did what you did to me there. But thank you. One interesting thing that the cops discovered in their deep dive into the life of John List was that the pious church man, so concerned with the morality of America, had rented a P.O. box for the sole purpose of ordering porno mags. Of course. Uh, yeah. Of course he did. They're all like this. You don't, you yeah. don't think, uh, you think that OnlyFans is making it just on the backs of liberal America? No, liberal America's <laughs> broke. You know who isn't? The evangelists. They are doing great out there. Well. They're all over OnlyFans. You know how many times you see a guy with a toe for a head and one of those crisis my savior Twitter bios who's all night just being like, I'm going to shove my fucking ass inside your ass, bitch. I just don't You're know how to have sex. My ass I'm inside of your ass. ass in your ass, you woman, you woman, you, you woman. All right. I saw my very evangelical Christian teacher at uh, El Dorado's in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, <laughs> and I made sure to make eye contact with him. I was underage, and he shouldn't have been there, and so it sort of canceled each other. It kind of canceled each other out. No one spoke of it. Other than the hemorrhoids and the glasses, though, Knuckles, Moran, and the FBI didn't really have much to go on. Then, less than a year after the murders, 
an unknown arsonist doused the former list house in kerosene and burned it to the ground, destroying the last vestige of the list family in New Jersey. Um, is there a house that was rebuilt on this burial ground that's Probably. obviously haunted? Maybe, maybe. Okay. But this is also why he destroyed the family photos. Remember, this is 1971. There is no Facebook. There is no picture. They're like the only way someone would well, actually how would have people communicate. But you know what I mean? Like they, there is no, there's no real way to like track somebody. So if you destroy the only and you had like physical 10 evidence, pictures total. Yeah, yeah. You're like if you destroy those pictures, you legitimately lose all trace of who you used to be as a human being. And then it's also difficult for them to if they don't have pictures of you. How do they spread the pictures to say like this guy murdered his family? Right. Mm-hmm. As far as where John List went, he was smart enough to leave the Northeast entirely. Within days, John had made it to Colorado and soon bought a trailer near Denver for $1,500 under the name Robert P. Clark, which Robert Clark was a dude he knew in college. Yes, and he assumed he would be caught within a week or two. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what he thought at first. He's like, they'll come and get me. But the mo- the main note that he kept hitting was how relieved he was and how now he just kind of felt like, you know, he's eating carbs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's eat, pray, love. He's having well, a great time. He's growing on his armpit hair. Not to, and again, I have no pride. If you live in a trailer, that's just wonderful. And there's a lot of great people who live in trailers and it's affordable living. Love it. But d- isn't this exactly what he didn't want? Wasn't his whole thing like, no, I don't want to have economic peril, and now he's in a trailer? Which he are, thought his children couldn't handle it. But but he doesn't mind living a broke lifestyle? He holds the line so hard. His, it's like a big ropey dick. You know what I mean? He has that line so mm, firmly inside you. of his a, Like a big palms. ropey dick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He just really grabs it from the bottom of the shaft to the very tip of the line. <laughs> yeah. And he holds it. There's only one person that has the moral strength to live in a trailer so and not succumb to the devil. His cock is the hammer and he is Thor. Mm-hmm. He's the mm-hmm. only one and that can, can wield it. can touch his own penis. <laughs> okay. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs but if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently. 
so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly, you know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at four o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right, I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right, my job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. John List laid low for months, reading historical novels and the Bible while he accumulated a bed, a refrigerator, and a stove, slowly rebuilding a life of routines as Bob Clark. Eventually, List got a job under the name Bob Clark as a night shift cook at a Holiday Inn along Interstate 70, where people found him to be a friendly, quiet man who flinched when anyone cursed. Pussy. 
Oh my God. You can imagine someone being like, these are the best eggs I've ever had. This is just incredible. He was a, he he had a natural ability at being a cook. He honestly, he crushed it. He was, he was the only thing he was naturally good at. He wasn't even naturally good at being an accountant. He was terrible at being an accountant. He was promoted to short order cook almost immediately. And then he was hired as a sous chef at a country club Southwest of Denver. And there he found that he could handle the pressure of a restaurant kitchen better than any but like there was a guy that worked in the kitchen with him and said I've never seen anyone able to handle the pressure that John List was able to handle or at least he call, he kept calling him Bob Clark because he was like Bob Clark could handle it in fact there was one time yeah. where uh, they booked this huge table this big party John List is trying to cook everybody's meal they said well I, we accidentally ordered too little food we need one more meal so on the spot in the middle of all this John List made a new dish that ended up being so good that they put it on the menu. Called it Kip Chicken Capistrano. Yep, he wow. was so naturally Why gifted in cooking. Why couldn't he just do that with his family? Because that's not what I wake up every day <laughs> wanting to do. I hate eggs. I hate salads. I hate milkshakes. I just do it because all of you fawning maws, all of you idiots love my food. It's, but actually, I'm an accountant. Yeah. He sounds like he would be a perfect restaurant owner he knows how to cook he knows how to do the paperwork i'm an accountant (laughs) i don't it's a great movie with ben affleck but a horrible horrible way to live your life by 1977 that's exactly what he did he's like i can't do this chef thing anymore i wasn't born to be a chef even though he was born to be a chef he thought there's nothing wrong with being a chef it's a great profession also how many people do we now know that are chefs that were murderers we got Haddon clark we got this guy (laughs) which is like being a chef was a bartender which is kind of a chef for beer it's a chef for beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that you can start calling them beer chefs. Uh, beer chef, I'll take it. <laughs> what, what, what's, what's the special today? One Bud Light. Uh, <laughs> it does sound pretty special. Uh, but in 1977, like I said, he, he quit the one thing in life that he was actually good at to return to his original passion, accounting. Marcus, Marcus it's, it's the second thing he was really good at. Actually, yeah, that's true. Actually, he was actually actually extraordinarily good at getting away with murder. Most people don't get away with murder, and he got away with five of them. Yeah, he should have done that more often. If you could find a way to, if you could just monetize it, if you could just yeah. monetize it, you, what you do is you join the Marines. Mm. <laughs> well, he started another accountant consulting business that was largely a failure and was only kept afloat by a woman named Dolores Miller. John List had met the recently divorced Dolores Miller at a Lutheran single social, and although she wasn't really that into him, he was persistent and friendly. And pretty soon, they were a couple, and John had yet another woman from which he could leech. Every love story pre-2000... 16 was he stalked me uh, for five years he, uh, he actually killed the guy I was dating and then I and just gave in I just did yeah, something about him I just kind of gave in and just let him control me but the funny thing is I've been making his life miserable for, for 35 years so isn't that nice <laughs> and how it evens out but he actually it was strange to see at first I thought that their relationship was like idyllic like when they met mm-hmm. but he already started the little seeds of getting mad as they started their little relationship because number one he's trying to get these fucking accountant businesses off the off the ground and they won't go because he's not good at it like and so he's immediately in financial trouble again meanwhile he's on the run right for murders he's not even necessarily on the run he is at 
in place from the he murders. <laughs> he just moved to Colorado and then just stayed there. Yeah. He's not on the run at all. Wow. Yeah. And she had to keep floating him money. That she, she did had do. to float him money to keep all of the bullshit going. And she started saying he started getting more and more irritable and mm-hmm. more and more. No, the more money that he was taking from her, he was getting more irritable. Yes. And because oh. Bob Clark was slowly becoming John List again. Oh, yeah. I see. And soon John, a.k.a. Bob Clark, he was working another boring job as an office manager at a firm that made supermarket wrapping and packages called the All Packaging Company. And John was once again where he wanted to be. By 1985, well over a decade after John had killed his entire family, wow. he and Dolores Miller were married. And the next year, John was fired from the All Packaging Company. And it seemed as if the cycle was beginning anew. Uh-oh. But this time, John didn't have the resources to live the fake commuter life. So he spent his days looking at the want ads while all of Dolores' money was pumped into getting the consultancy firm going. It was while John was at home, though, that he got friendly with a neighbor named Wanda Flannery. Friendly, I'll put in quotation marks. They spoke with each other. He's doing everything. He's doing. Okay, just go on. I'm sorry. He's just he's he's living the life he tried to proclaim he was against the whole time. He's holding the line. All right. All right. Well, Wanda actually felt sorry for him because she saw. I mean, he would still get up, even though he wasn't doing the fake commute. He would still get up every day, put on a suit and tie. And then just sit around the house. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) We weren't in a pandemic in 85. No. I mean, other than HIV. (laughs) Thank you for acknowledging (laughs) it. Honestly, somebody had to in the 80s. When Wanda tried to dig into this weird little man's past, John List was understandably evasive, saying only this about his previous life. Quote, My first wife died. She was uh, very ill. It was uh, very tragic. How'd she die? What was the... Do you remember what the doctor said the diagnosis was? Or? Bullet fever? <laughs> bullet, <laughs> bullet. Yeah, she died 10 times of bullet fever. She died 10 times of bullet <laughs> fever. I didn't know that. It, that was, that's a strange disease. What's some of the symptoms? Um, it's going, ah, no, don't. Ah, uh, please stop. Oh. You're my husband. I'm your wife. Ah, uh, don't. Uh, I'm scared. Stop, stop, stop. To do that for a while, then they just get real quiet. Huh. I'll have to watch out for that one. Then, in February of 1987, Wanda picked up an issue of one of our forebears, the first publication to put aliens, cryptids, ghosts, and true crime into one supermarket-ready package. I'm talking, of course, about the Weekly World News. Looking for you. Love love Weekly World News. Wanda reminds me a lot of the neighbor from Edward Scissorhands. It was like one of those. (laughs) She's real nosy. Yeah, and this is she's real nosy, well, and then she starts because she doesn't. She gets like an off vibe from John immediately, and so this is a person John List because he kept. The, I think assuming that he'll always kind of fade into the background, but she's like, no, I'm really interested in you, John. Like I'm really mm-hmm. wonder what's your thing it. because you're a fucking weirdo. Everyone yeah. he keeps talking about how normal Bob Clark is or how normal John uh, List is. Where actually he's essentially. A highly weird, idiosyncratic man. Because yeah. this is also, he also started doing the war games. They had to mm-hmm. move apartments. He started from the trailer. They had to move into a two-bedroom apartment. The reason why they moved mm-hmm. was so that he could have space for his war board games, <laughs> yeah. which is the truth. And he guy. started getting back into it. He started like this whole bullshit 
again trying to relive the same exact life. Yeah, they wow. said in uh, Colorado there was he kept inviting like trapping guys to come over and be like, yeah, just play the game, and it would be an eight hour long fucking ordeal. There was only one guy who ever came back a second time. I love it. You know, True Detective, Housewives. That would be a great show. You get a housewife sniffing your scent. Oh, you're you done. are done. When Wanda opened up that issue of Weekly World News, she read a story entitled The Perfect Crime, which detailed the investigation into the murders committed by the nefarious John List. Now, by this point, John List was considered by the FBI to be a bit of a white whale, a near genius who was even rumored to be, at one point, D.B. Cooper. Because no Liz's car had been left at JFK right around the time of the Cooper caper. And because Cooper and List <laughs> kind of looked alike. They kind of look alike. They also said they, they used to do jokes with each other. The cops, whenever they would go on vacation, like the John List story became such a non-entity. Like they, everyone thought it was like the case was essentially over. No one could figure out where the hell he went. And so when cops would go on vacation, one running joke that they would do is they would send postcards from wherever they were just being like having fun on the beach like sign john list right like they would mm-hmm. just do it as pranks see that is the thing with weekly world news there were tidbits of truth great stories in there followed by little articles like are farts ghosts like there was always like <laughs> that's, it was, what keeps it fun. that's what keeps yeah. it such a page turner yeah and then Ooh. on the cover you've got a picture of bill clinton shaking hands with an alien yeah it's that was the cool best. and of course you remember the submarine that had a bunch of aliens and a bunch of oh uh, yeah skeletons I just, i'll always there. remember the, the the devil cloud the devil oh cloud that was a cool one yeah. yeah i'm starting to think there's something in the clouds <laughs> <laughs> trust these clouds but when wanda looked at the picture of john list in the weekly world news all she saw was Bob Clark. The ages lined up. Bob had a scar on his neck where List was also said to have one. And John List was described as an overly religious accountant with chronic money troubles. Well, yep. He didn't exactly stray too far from uh, Mr. List, did he? There? Stayed in character. Yeah. And so Wanda went to Dolores when John was out on a job interview and showed her the story in the Weekly World News. But Dolores, who couldn't imagine that her Bob could be anything but a boring old accountant, she just laughed and said, oh, yeah, Bob's a mass murderer. (laughs) Followed by Dolores talking about how, yes, she does believe that farts are ghosts (laughs) and she thinks there's a strong family lineage uh, depending on the smell. Farts are just things we don't understand because we don't have the science yet. Absolutely. I met my cousin Ernie. I remember I farted and I know for sure that was cousin Ernie because he smelled just like that rhubarb pie. <laughs> it all, but you, their relationship was also starting to deteriorate too. Him and Dolores, because Dolores and him would try to buy him clothes. I remember that one statement that they said <laughs> to Dolores. She's like, "What's the point of buying anything for you? You don't look good in anything." Whoa, Dolores, nailing it though. Around the same time that Liss' identity was being dismissed by his second wife, Captain Frank Maranca in Westfield came upon another possible avenue for finding John List. Maronka's boss got a hold of the people at America's Most Wanted, but were, to- but were told that the case was too old and the trail was too cold for the story to be of any use on their show, and Unsolved Mysteries rejected it for the same reason. What? But Captain Maronka was persistent, and in 1989, he pitched the story in person to the producers of America's Most Wanted, who finally agreed. Yay. 
Now, unsurprisingly, John List was an avid viewer of America's Most Wanted and pretty much just watched the show every week to see if he to see if his story showed up. He knew he was going to be on it eventually. Yeah, he was. Wow. Because partially is will I show up? Because I don't know if he wanted it, but there was also some sort of I think serial killers feel this very often. Mass murderers we know do it. They in a secret little compartment inside of their minds. They want the credit. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it seemed uh, like judging from what we've learned ta-da, it seemed like he thought he was going to get caught much earlier. So maybe he was like, when the hell is this gig going to be up? Yeah, I'm actually, don't, I don't me? like Dolores anymore. Can <laughs> I just go to prison, please? And sure enough, on May 21st, 1989, John List saw his own face sculpted in a 3D likeness to show him older and paunchier, staring back out from the television. Hey, Dolores, get in here. I'm on TV. I'm on TV. (laughs) That night, the show's hotline got 250 calls, a third of which were the calls they apparently got every episode from lonely people who just wanted to talk to someone. Mm, yeah. And some Baba Booey stuff. But nestled in all that mess was a call from neighbor Wanda Flannery. She left a short, simple message saying, here is an address. John List lives at this address. He uses the name Robert P. Clark. Come get him. Damn. All right. And, and within two weeks, the FBI was on John List's doorstep. And John, who had pretty much stayed put in Colorado for the last 18 years, raised his hands in surrender, entirely unsurprised that things ended this way. See, television, yes, it maybe gave, ro- maybe gave rise to fascism in America, but it also caught this guy. This one <laughs> guy. <laughs> that was a consequence of uh, different aspects of American life. Yeah, cool. Now, although you might think there was no way John's wife, Dolores, didn't know, she said when questioned by the FBI that she didn't even know who John List was, adding that John couldn't be her husband because her husband was the nicest man in the world. Yeah, Goebbels used to be a great tipper. I guess. (laughs) Was he? I don't know. Probably not. I just think in Europe they don't tip. I don't even no, know why they I don't said tip. that. I don't know why he said fuck. I don't know why he fucking said it. Well, okay? it's a good thing. I don't know. It's a good thing it went through the checks and balances and went through all the checkpoints in your head and you came right out with a defensive <laughs> goibles for I some don't reason. Have checks and balances. I have just an open cordoned path that you just know, goes from my id to my mouth. You've gotten a lot better with it though. But when Bob Clark was fingerprinted moments later. His fingerprints match those that John List had left with the Westfield police 18 years earlier for the handgun registration he never even fucking picked up. Wow. Still, it took almost a year for John List to drop the Bob Clark story. And even then, he still tried pleading not guilty to the murders. And one of the tactics they used to use in interrogations with him, which I think is really funny, is that, you know, they keep being like, are you, you know, are you John List? And he'd be like, no, I'm Bob Clark. I've always been. And then they'd, they'd walk in and go, John? They would say John, and then he'd look, and he'd be like, no, yes. they did like, not he, do that. He, he would respond to oh the name. Oh, my God. And he would respond oh, you got to, me again. Ah, you're funny. What? I guess I'm not that disciplined. What a jackass. I guess I should have listened to Mr. Iliano when he said to write up a character bio and stick with it before all the scene work. I love the detectives that were just like, what if we try this? Of course, because they knew it was him. It well, is he him. Would, well, he would stonewall him because, you know, they'd show, like, all right, look. Bob Clark does not exist before 1971. John yeah. List 
ceases to exist after 1971. Your fingerprints match those of John Liss. Sounds Therefore, like a you problem. You sounds are like a you John problem Liss. and not a me problem. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Despite the overwhelming evidence, the defense tried arguing that John was not responsible for his actions. They said that John wasn't programmed to deal with overwhelming problems, that he was steeped in old world values, and his obsessive compulsive tendencies led him to the murders, which, Mm, in their opinion, that's enough to let him off the hook. Well, they what? truly just thought that OCD was just this horrible mouth. Like, th- th- like yeah. they try to make it like it was like an antisocial personality disorder kind of shit where it's like right. mostly from what I have discovered is that OCD is a self-punishing thing. Yeah, I don't. But it's not like I mean, I understand having a family is probably extremely stressful and stuff. But like a lot of people have families and then don't kill them. It yeah, wasn't a like lot of had, weak people. Not no, strong people. I think it's actually stronger not to kill the family. Hey, man. It's six of one, to, six of another. No, it's not. Nine of one. No, it's nine not. Nine of another. One is keeping people alive and one is murdering people. One is keeping them alive in heaven. The other one's keeping them alive on earth. <laughs> well, if you put it like that. The defense even tried bringing Helen Syphilis and Patty's interest in witchcraft into the mix, saying that these were the two things that drove John to the point of no return. But All thankfully, right. the judge deemed both irrelevant. And I, as was a, you can, I was a witch hunter. <laughs> <laughs> and as you can see, Exhibit 8, Exhibit 8, we've got yucky pussy. Let's just take a look at the yucky pussy. Now you take a look at that yucky pussy and you tell me you don't want to kill your whole family. Exhibit C. Yucky pussy. All right, Mr. Kissel, thank you for your opening statements. Yep. Um, the, the trial I actually can begin now. More. I have the whole alphabet of we're yucky actually, pussies. We're going to start the trial now. You're going to oh, have to be escorted okay. out. Of All right, thank you for letting me talk. Now, predictably, John List was easily found guilty of five counts of murder and was sentenced to life in prison on April 12th, 1990. When asked wow. if he would do it all over again, though, he said he wouldn't. Wow. He said he wouldn't. Growth is possible. You <laughs> oh mean to tell me people God. don't change? So 1990. 1990. We had a life. He lived a lifetime. Oh, yeah. Had his full yeah. 20 his or time on the run could vote. His time on the run could smoke. Oh, yeah. yeah. 18 years this man got to live. Well, from what he said, he didn't think he would get away with it for more than a week or two. But when weeks passed and the murder still hadn't even been discovered... He decided to just sit back and enjoy the freedom. In fact, he said that after a while, he didn't even think about his former family or their murders, except on the anniversary of their deaths. But that day, you could just see, because, you know, that's when he had like an extra glass of schnapps. And he would sit in that chair and just stare and just stare and just stare. (laughs) But then he was fine. I don't yeah. trust introverts for a reason. That's this is I'm another saying. one. Yeah, we're living in an introvert's fucking world right now. I know. It's You very guys keep scary. saying that. It's not that we don't like it any more than you do. What's say, that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, this it seems like a, it's very <laughs> interesting that you say that. No, Marcus, you're technically an introverted extrovert still. Yeah, Because I know, true introverts I are. I know that you are. You're 70% introvert. But mm-hmm. yeah. That 30% yeah. allows you to talk. I say 65%. I've seen them out there. Uh, I've seen him dancing out there. I know. I've seen him dance. I've seen you've seen me drinking and dancing. No, on your wedding when you were truly happy. And (laughs) that is true at the wedding. Man, his family can dance anyway. Yeah, (laughs) the Texans are a crazy dancer. I I didn't expect them. They dance like motherfuckers. It was a beautiful wedding between the Mexicans and the Texans, and then I was just sitting there like a midwestern, being like, looking at him. (laughs) <laughs> just be like look at him this have fun great. I wish I could do that <laughs> this is fucking that's why I can never get married I'm, I'm horrified of the dance 
That's why. I'm huh. serious. I have nightmares of it. It's, yeah, it's a dance. You have nightmares of it. It's very easy. You just sway back and forth no, to a song everyone, you really ev- like. No, you, everyone laughs at you. You don't have to have a dance. I would not. Well, I have eyes. If I have eyes for someone, they're going to want to dance because they want to show me off. <laughs> you sound like John List. <laughs> well, John List last, I guess, bullshit. Try- well, John List, I mean, he actually tried absolving himself one more time by co-writing a rambling, unedited manifesto that he called collateral damage. Oh, oh my God. But nobody bought the story. No. And what so jackass. And so John List, forever rejected by the corporate capitalist elite that he wanted so badly to join, died Ugh. in prison on March 21st, 2008, a lonely relic of rigid moral hypocrisy best left in the past. So nice. 18 years of freedom and 18 years behind bars. Yeah, man. This is mm-hmm. I can't he believe he lived until man. Obama was elected. Yeah, he lived to, the, to a very to be a very old man. He was well, so almost. remorseful. He, he, li- he lived to see Obama campaign. Wow. Which was it, him and his most dazzling. <laughs> <laughs> so at least he got to see that show. Yeah, at least he did. He, wow. He, this, he stands as an example of a family annihilator that is still very unique. And the world of family annihilators, are it gets more and more complex because, again, as you see, as you try to, people so long still trying to wrap their minds around, right. why do people do these quote-unquote extended suicides? These like full-on like families literally destroying in the most symbolic murder possible like just destroying themselves in any evidence of themselves and he actually had a lot more reasons why than others like if you look at other people who've done it like i could see more of like the what they say the livid heart the idea of like someone ramping their actual abuse physical abuse up until murder and that does happen more often but these Mm. stories oftentimes it's also a a, someone a partner on the side but it doesn't seem like he didn't have an affair or anything right no No. he just was done being a daddy and when daddy says it's over then it's over for everybody i guess All right. Well, thank you all so much for being with us on the John List Part 1 and 2 Fascinating Story. Um, I don't know. Check in with your significant other. Make sure there's no guns for feet. Communicate. In the house. You got to um, communicate. Communicate. And, you- and divorce is totally fine. Just Always don't get married at all. Fucking just leave. Get on the bus <laughs> and go to maybe another place. Maybe people will be sad for a second, but everyone will get over it. They'll all be alive. Everyone mm-hmm. will heal. I promise you. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, let's see. Do we have any housekeeping, any clerical? Speaking of clerical things with John. Uh, well, first I have to get my bullets. Then I have to get my <laughs> no, alibis. No. No, I'm sorry. Are she you going to kill it. Wendy? I said the quiet part out loud. Yes. Yeah, say the. We have weed coming. Weed yeah. is coming. So that is very exciting. We'll, we'll tell you a day soon. We will tell you a day soon. I don't know what that is. I, uh, this Saturday, I have my Civ 6 show on Twitch. Very nice. 2.30 PTSD. PTSD? PTSD You're gonna is have a PTSD different thing. When it's yeah, done. That's, um, that's on twitch.tv. Are, you, getting, are you that week that you have PTSD from Civ 6? Because if you go to like the military hospital with that kind of PTSD, they're going to just kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll, just be, I'll die from the food. Yeah. Um, then we have last stream on the left is yes. coming back so this is our plan what we're going to do for now because the meeting that we're supposed to have with Twitch hasn't happened yet and I have no fucking clue when it's going to happen yeah. they're not rushing I no. don't know um, if they like us very I don't much. think so but we'll, we will find out we're supposed to find out so until then this is our temporary this is what we're doing for this now this could be permanent too we'll see I don't know last stream on the left will be live 5pm PST 8pm EST and it's going to be live 
for our Patreon, for our Patreon subscribers, it will be live. For, so from 5 to 6 p.m., you're going to get, this is on P, PST, you're going to get the show. If you're a Patreon, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you're going to get a link to come see our show. We, you're going to see our show live. But then we're going to post it for free on YouTube for you, for anybody to see for free immediately, either the day after or the next for day. For some after. reason, I feel like you've made it confusing, but I do love it. I mean, that's just <laughs> the plan. I do love it. Yeah. The plan is so we gonna... want, because we want the show to be free as much as possible, but we also, you know, we want to do something for our Patreon subscribers, so that's what we're doing. That's right. So, of course, you can give and uh, subscribe to our Patreon. Thanks you, Thank you for everyone who has done that. So, yes. Absolutely, the stream we is won't back be on censored. Patreon. We won't be any. It is just going to be us and you. Well, yeah, Marcus and I still room. have we still have free speech jail. It's still Marcus it, is actually the warden. I've been doing a pretty uh-huh. good job as a CEO. I don't know. You don't have any. I don't even have any clue how much weightlifting I've been doing in free speech jail. <laughs> <laughs> I've been also I've been going to the legal room. And doing oh, a lot really? of research. Oh, really, oh, yeah, yeah. Mr. Pansrum? Yeah, and me and my Muslim brothers, uh-huh. we are, you're going to see what we're going to organize. Free, you you see my tiny hat that I've been wearing? I love it. Honestly, that would be a great phase three for your life. <laughs> you have to convert. Um, all right, everyone. Yes, so we'll just keep you uh, aware of, uh, of all the other changes and all the fun things that are happening. And again, second half of 2021, we're knocking on all the wood possible, but I really, we are positive and we're going to keep on moving forward. No matter what happens, we'll be together and we'll keep on trucking and plugging ca- away. I don't care if I have to do this fucking show on top of an empty 18-wheeler that we just drive around from town to town to town. We could staple you on top of anything. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can be glued. <laughs> Hail yourselves! Hail Satan! Oh, Helgeen. Magustalations, everybody. Hail me. Mm-hmm. Don't kill your family. Hey, man. Don't kill your family. What if you sit your family down and tell them you're not going to kill them? Yeah. And just how, and then they have to be thankful. Ask them instead of how they want to be buried. Ask them, how. what dinner do you want me to make on Saturday? Yeah. Although if, I, if my dad did sit, sit me down and specifically tell me I'm not going to kill you, that would make me suspicious. <laughs> well, hey, yeah. man, let dads have their fun. Yeah, that's, that's dad psychology. They're allowed to do that. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.